Well, on this day in 1975, Pink Floyd released their ninth studio album, Wish You Were Here in the UK. That's the famous album cover, you know, two men shaking hands, one of them on fire. This is Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. And when it comes to Pink Floyd, you either love them, illuminating thoughtful geniuses, or just soporific bores. What camp are you in? Anyway, famous album, spent a total of 84 weeks on the chart. What camp are you in, Alexia? A Floydy or not? A Floyd. Yeah, I, I have, have been convinced by my husband over the years to be a Floydy. What about you, David Cunliffe? You sort of absolute died in the wool. Really? Floydy, absolute brilliance. Shine on you, crazy diamond. Could be your theme song, Wallace. Oh, that's very nice of you, David. Very, very nice of you. I haven't heard that for many years. I lived with a um, flat full of Pink Floyd fans, so I've gone through phases. This isn't in Eden. But, um, <laughs> How did I guess we that? We heard from one of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're still reliving those from days what? on a daily that's basis. That's right. You remember Wallace that? is yeah. just trying to remember them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can remember some of them, David. Yeah, it was yeah, called, I it can was, remember some of them, it was, too. It was, it was called the Freedom Flat, and yes, we're all Pink Floyd fans yeah, there. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, Joy Division, Pink Joy. Floyd, a bit of Genesis. <laughs> oh, crikey, that's how old we are. 25 to 5, the panel RNZ National. In four or five minutes' time, we'll give you the um, panel poll, and it's just the response has been extraordinary. Um, someone says... Um, no to a capital gains tax. All the taxes in the world will not help if the people at the top can't manage our money properly, and it shows they cannot. Another one says, well, Susan Gisborne says, capital gains tax, absolutely. I worked in property management, and some landlords had 30-plus properties, and we often had to beg and cajole just to get the basic health and safety issues dealt with for our poor tenants. Um, another one here, Graham says, I lived with it for 20 years in Australia. It works well. So the results in five minutes time on that. David Cunliffe, Alexia Russell with us today. Now this morning an opinion piece in the New Zealand Herald addresses the issues of learning to read and that we have a literacy problem in this country. Structured literacy of which phonics is a part is already taught in schools. It's when you break down the words. So stop for example. Stop but National wanted to be a requirement. James Chapman, no relation, Emeritus Professor of Educational Psychology, said in August last year, while most kids in New Zealand who learned balanced literacy did learn to read, it wasn't working for about a quarter of all learners. So what actually is structured literacy and does it work? With us is Alice Wilson, Chair of the Advocacy Group Lifting Literacy Aotearoa, Alice Kiora. Firstly, well, what is it? Can you just give us an example? Um, well, I thought your example was good. That's the very basics of it. But it's basically it's an approach based on the science of reading that's been well established um, over many, many years. And it involves explicit and systematic teaching. So you're right. It involves um, the phonics, as you described, and the, and the blending together. You'll stop, stop stop um, in the early years but before that it involves just the sounds so there's phonology which is the sounds of the, of the English language there are 44 of them 
and then it's attaching those sounds to graphemes, which is the alphabetic principle. And then it gets more and more um, detailed. So we've got morphology, we have syntax. We have the whole ambit of um, what it requires to learn to be a right. reader, writer and speller. A disclaimer here, my little five-and-a-half-year-old, he uh, uh, reads this way uh, at his school in Auckland. And the other approach is whole... I love hearing that. Uh, the other approach is whole language, learning mainly through words in a context. Is that right? Yeah. So um, the main technique here is the three queuing system. It's basically guessing. Um, but basically what they teach the kids to do is to look at the pictures, think about the the context of, of what they're reading um, and the first sound and use those cues to work out or solve the word. And that's doesn't work well. Um, kids don't learn, all kids don't learn to read, write, and spell well when they're taught that way from the beginning. They, they start to guess. Um, and while some kids go on and, and do all right under that approach, so many don't. It's a disproven philosophy of education, basically. Well, let's go around the panel on this. They'll have their questions as well. Alexia. Cool. Yeah, well, one of my children is dyslexic and other things. And, you know, for him, reading was a puzzle. And mm. learning um, structured literacy is like being given um, clues to that puzzle, you know, whereas yeah. the other version is like being given a thousand pieces of a puzzle without the picture. That's right. You know, and the thing is that with, with structured lit- literacy, I feel, is that, yes, dyslexic kids benefit from it, but so does everybody else, so why would you not use it? I totally agree. So it works with people, in your experience, people with dyslexia? Well, I only have one person with yeah. dyslexia. Um, but but <laughs> is it supported, do you know? Well, it depends what school you go to. So, you know, I mean, you know, each teacher teaches a different way, the way right. they're used to, the way they've been taught. And for older teachers, the way that they know gets results. Um, and, yeah. and that's why we need, actually, to move on and to require all schools to teach using an approach that works for all children. It's about the children and it's about supporting teachers with the professional development and the science that's been kept from them, really. It's been kept from them. The universities, the initial teacher training, the Ministry of Education, they have not kept teachers abreast of what's happened over the last 40 years. It's a disgrace and that's why now we need such a robust policy, really, and saying that all teachers must teach this way um, and that um, significant funding is now needed to get everyone up to speed. David? Well, do what works. Um, And it appears that there's quite good science around the structured literacy approach um, and it should be an evidence-based question, frankly not a political question, because you'd expect the Ministry of Education to follow the science and uh, provide that information and training. I have to say, when I was in Parliament sitting in on the Education Science Select Committee at one point, we were doing a, uh, an inquiry into dyslexia and dyspraxia. It absolutely shocked me that 7 to 10% of our kids have an issue in that dimension, and it was not a compulsory part of teacher training to teach mm-hmm. teachers how to support those kids. So there, there clearly is a deficit that has to be made up. I can't leave the topic without saying that poverty is also an issue. And in an article that was referenced, um, it is clear that only 2% of decile 1 kids 
could pass a writing exam in NCEA 1 level where 60-something percent of decile 10 kids could. 2%. Mm. Now, have a think, peeps, about what that means for the future of our society and the productivity of those people as well as the quality of life that they can enjoy. If only 2% of people in the lowest 10% of income households uh, can pass a writing test at NCEA 1 level. Yeah, and you know where those people end up... only you were the Minister of Education now, because I agree with everything you've said, absolutely, 100%. But herein lies the problem. The Ministry haven't kept up to date, and the Ministry haven't kept the sector up to date, and that's why we need political will now and funding to do that. It's a shocker. Poverty does have a lot to do with it, but not all to do with it. When no, we look at right. the statistics, it's, it, we see the rich kids, yep. they're not doing well someone, either. Someone says, your guest is incorrect. Whole language teaching of reading incorporates aspects of structured reading. You quoted uh, James Chapman as saying whole language works for 75% of reading learners, says an educa- educational psychologist here. Alice. Yeah, it, 75% no. Um, I think the statistics will show us that whole language moved on to be balanced literacy. Balanced literacy meant a pick a mix of a bit of uh, the evidence around phonics um, mixed in with whole language, which fundamentally was a philosophy about um, how we learn to read. And the idea was that we learn to read like we learn to speak and that it's a natural thing. Um, but in fact, it's not. The brain rewires itself. It takes different sections of the brain and rewires itself from sound to visual to meaning parts of the brain to store long-term memories. And that was a seminal piece of research that was done 40 years ago. And based on that, there has been an avalanche of amazing research and science that's shown us a lot right. more about it. We're what, the best so, so what do you make of uh, what the NZEI said? They're saying, look, children do not come in one size and we shouldn't be repeating failed attempts at essentially what is standardisation of teaching. So my question to you is, Alice, is why not leave it up to the teacher? Why not leave it up to that classroom? Surely they know their students best. And my question back to the union is this. Why is this the first time they've come out and talked about the research or anything about literacy, the science of reading, and the avalanche of research that has not been made available to teachers to teach children? Now they want to comment with some brief comment about that, drawing on some idea that this is going to be standardisation and putting the fear up everyone. I mean... Really, and I know that that Minister exactly what I expect from the union. Minister Tanetti has also come out and said she favours, in principle, a structured literacy approach. And I think mm-hmm. the problem with balanced literacy is it's all things to all people, and actually, what you need is clarity if you're trying to provide guidelines. And that's a Ministry of Education job. You'd hope that you didn't have to give it too many political nudges. Maybe we do. Yeah, I think we do. Very interesting, Alice. Thank you. And there's a, quite a You're big welcome. response to this, so I really appreciate your time. Yeah, we might come back <laughs> no to this, worries. actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, more than happy to talk on this topic anytime. Uh, we'll get, yeah, thank you, Alice. Um, I'm a junior teacher and ex-reading recovery teacher. Structured literacy is great, but the best approach is a balanced combination of strategies. Wouldn't it be lovely if all children fit into the perfect learning box? But alas, they do not. A good teacher is able to teach a combo of structured and whole language strategies that best fits the individual needs of the learner. That's fair enough, isn't it?
That's a lot of hard work, you know, yes, finding out what each of your 30 it, yeah, children are yeah. up to. And, um, you know, you send them away to reading recovery, and then when they come back, they're expected to catch up on their schoolwork as well. And these poor kids end up getting more confused than they were when they started. You know, um, reading recovery, I think, was something New Zealand really pioneered, and it went round the world, and it feels like that now we're not prepared to take a second look at it because it's ours. Another one. We are immigrants. Our children were taught in a structured way to read, and they did very well. Uh, then we moved here, and their reading fell flat. We can only throw our hands in the air at the strange ideas the New Zealand education system follows. Big response. We'll have to return to this. Uh, you're on the panel, RNZ National, and to this result, um, it's been probably the biggest poll that we've had in our nearly five years on the panel. Uh, David Cunliffe does a flip. I've been thinking, oh, it wasn't flip. Sorry, David, about uh, should we or should we not have a capital gain? Not even on the table, but goodness gracious me, there's about 100 pages of text here. So... Um, should we great, have great build up, uh, should Wallace. we should we have a capital gains tax? Eighty percent said yes. We should have a capital gains wow. tax, and we had um, way over a thousand, in fact, one and a half thousand texts on that particular uh, topic. You anyway. know, if only you could harness this texting power, Wallace, to um, for something you had a hope of actually being resolved. Where's Imagine the, how powerful you'd be. Where's my laugh track? Where's the laugh track to that? Thank you, Alexia. Uh, to the some schools are working 15, 20 or even up to 40 hours a week. One South Auckland principal says students are succeeding and doing well despite the extra workload, but is frustrated with the shabby and exploitative, quote-unquote, employers who take advantage of young workers by pressuring them to work longer shifts or into their school time with us. Principal of James Cook High, Grant McMillan. Kia ora, Grant. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, kia ora, Alicia and Dave. Really interesting to hear your response on this. Reading uh, quite an eye-opener about this. You are looking at kids who are working um, long hours, 34 hours, and you don't hold back uh, to some of these people. You're calling them... uh, ignorant and arrogant some of these people Grant, explain We'd all agree a part-time job's a positive thing for a young person, there's a whole lot of learning in that, and it still irks me occasionally that young people wear their work uniform and they wear their school uniform Um, but most of our employers, and and we've got a whole lot of employers we work with in school, as other schools do too are really, really good and really reasonable they provide a work experience and all sorts of things for a number of our, our students, um, a part-time job is more than just the board, say, self and habit or something of that nature. It's actually really important for their family as well. Um, for some reason, I was listening to David earlier, all the economic tools seem to hit the people hardest with the least. Mm. And um, and we see that in our families. Every school will be seeing that mm. as well. So um, for a number of our students now, their, their part-time job, their weekend job, their, you know, their school term break job is actually also important for family income. And that's just a straightforward solution to work and maths problem. I think um, what we're seeing is the vast number of our employers are great and they're very reasonable. They, you know, they, they allow for exams, exam study, all that sort of thing. But one or two, and in a couple of industries in particular, are just are absolutely shabby and manipulative and unspeakably rude and misuse our students and their futures. David. 
Look, the issue's real, um, and it's bad from two sides. Firstly, kids getting exploited by unscrupulous employers, and secondly, the fact that families are depending upon their wages to put food on the table. That is a really tough place uh, to be. Um, You know, it's easy to say it, but we have to get the priorities right, which is kids are there to learn. Uh, in our family, we've got four late teens, early 20s. We reinforce to them your main job is learning. They've all got part-time jobs, um, and they know they, they need to work as well as learn. Um, one of them is doing a gap year, has been working 10 to 12-hour shifts in a hotel kitchen, uh, and has worked out that doing that on the minimum wage is not a recipe for long-term happiness. Um, and is going to go back to study next year really Mm. focused. So that might be what um, Grant is saying about there's a lot of life learning in a part-time job. Um, Yeah. You know, so uh, Kia Kaha, Grant, I agree with every single word you said. It's a bloody tough problem. Again, we have to close the gap between the haves and the have-nots to create a country where every single kid can be the best they can be and we are all better off because we have that thing called social mobility. Okay, stay there Grant, let's bring Alexia in. Yeah, interesting Grant that you should mention those labour force type jobs as one of the problematic ones because we found that in our family when our son was looking for those kind of jobs and it is an unregulated market. They treat the, cho- the, the their kids very, very badly. You know, they deduct stuff from their wages for safety gear. They, you know, Jackson was taken out to, you know, miles away from home and kind of left there at the end of the day. Uh, you know, oh. appalling jobs, the worst of the worst jobs, the, the cleaning hard spaces and the, you know, they're not jobs that you really actually learn from or they're not gateways into uh, the construction industry or anything they they're just exploitative and and that they need regulating you know they need work inspectors to come in there saying what actually is happening with these kids when they turn up at seven in the morning and if you're not at school and you know to go and do these jobs because it's pretty appalling grant oh look i couldn't agree more but one thing i do want to reinforce though is that our families now, Ainga and Fana, are incredibly supportive, the most loving, caring mm. families I've ever worked with. There's nothing mm. wrong with the families. Our kids are as cared for, as capable, as talented as, you know, as anyone, any other student in the other neighbourhood. They just happen to be in situations where actually for them that little bit of income makes a huge amount of difference for their families as well. And that puts them in a situation where they can be manipulated more or they can be... Um, Challenge more or put in more challenging situations, and that's really tough. And it's extraordinarily difficult to watch. But yeah. as a school, we'll always look after young people, and we can help them achieve both, both oh, their day and their qualifications. Oh, kia ora, Grant. Really nice to have you on the program. Appreciate it. Uh, that's yeah. Grant McMillan, yeah, uh, principal of uh, James Cook High there. Eight away from five, the panel with Alexia Russell and David Cunliffe. Uh, finally, on the program, soup, soap. Salvation. That was the motto of William Booth, who's he? He was the Salvation Army's founder, New Zealand's ninth branch in Invercargill, celebrated 140 years over the weekend. Community Ministries coordinator Brenda King has been with the organisation since the 1990s. She says things have changed a bit through the years. We thought we'd just acknowledge this uh, little milestone here. Brenda King, welcome. Kia ora. Good to have you on the panel. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Good turnout for the weekend's festivities? Oh, it was. It was amazing. We had um, 185 here on Sunday for the Sunday service and lunch. 
That's mm. pretty cool. I was thinking about this when I saw this, and I guess the first thing in my mind was, Brenda, where would New Zealand society be without the good old Sallys? Mm. <laughs> you know, the, it would leave a bit of a hole, wouldn't it? It would. It might leave a bit of a hole. <laughs> yes. What do you think, Alexia? Yeah, I always buy the Sallys because they are active Christianity. You know, you, you, Christians get a lot of flack for the bad things they do, and, mm-hmm. and the Sallys are putting their faith in action, and they're the you know absolute fantastic example of it. I love it. Oh, thank you, Brenda. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Very. Well, yeah. Keep going. That that is what we that is what we aim to do is to put our faith in action. Um, no point just sitting in a church on a Sunday singing hallelujah if you um neglecting your poor people in the community. Have you stopped wearing the hats though? We have. <laughs> <laughs> although although on Sunday um we had um the officer of the day, she had her, her old bonnet on so only briefly, I have to confess. <laughs> Just for a bit, put the bonnet on. David Cunliffe. Oh, yeah, go the Sallys. Um, they've been doing a lot of social good for a, a, a long time. Um, I really applaud people who, of all faiths who put their faith to action. Um, bit of a shout-out in Wellington for the City Mission, Downtown City Ministry, St Peter's mm, on Willis, yes. and a whole bunch of other people that help in this town. Um mm. You know, I think it's really important that people don't see people of faith, including Christian faith, as being some caricature of American Republican conservatives. Um, they're mainly the faith communities in New Zealand are very caring. They're in their communities with their sleeves rolled up and they're helping out, and the Sallys um, really amongst them. And they also advocate for change. They, they put it in an annual social report that um, is yeah. listened to by policymakers and good on them for, for that research as well. Um, final shout-out for the Selwyn Foundation of the Anglican Church, which is um, going in boots and all for uh, looking after seniors uh, who are underprivileged and uh, on the bones of their bum. And they've sold retirement villages to create a fighting fund to do that uh, for the most needy. So I, I also want to call that out. It's another example. Yes, when you think about it, uh, Christianity is at the core of many of these organisations, eh? such as, yeah. I mean, LifeWise, for example, yeah. uh, in uh, Tamaki Makoto there, Brenda. Can I just ask you, mm. one person was saying, do you, do, do you still do those bands um, on, the, on the backs of trucks? Oh, we're not allowed to sit on the backs of trucks, or we certainly how would come? be here. Uh, just health and safety. God, oh. crazy as it does. <laughs> No, there's a number of things we can't do because it's deemed unsafe, and that's one of them. But um, we did have, for our for our celebrations, we had the National Youth Band down, so we had young people playing. We had an open air in Esk Street, which is just our, in the city, has been revamped, and it's looking really lovely, and we were able to stand there in the sun for an hour and, and sing and play, and it's wonderful. Very, very cool. Yeah, the band is still part of it. The, sto- the band is still part of it. It's lovely to have you on, Brendan. I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that uh, uh, 140 years of celebration mm. of the uh, uh, Salvation Army. Soup, soap, salvation. Brenda, uh, thank you for your time.
You're most welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Brenda King there. And uh, what a panel has been. You've been both been fantastic, and I, uh, what a response. Uh, so thank you from me from across the country for participating in that. Before you go, just very, very briefly, uh, in the 60 seconds we have left, David Cunliffe, what do you think of the Can I ask you what will happen to Chris Hipkins if Labour loses the election? Well, that's a matter for Chris, and it's also a matter for the Labour Party, and I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback that. That's always a hard decision, and it will depend on the result. Um, I know that he's got a lot of fire in his belly, and as I said before, I think he's uh, campaigning as strongly as he possibly can. So, um, you know, uh, from the sidelines, New Zealand benefits from a strong democracy, and that means we need um, good, strong parties of all colours. And let's just hope we have evidence-based policy and the ability to put it into action for the benefit of all of us. He's a good bloke, Chris, isn't he? I mean, it's not... I feel like there's this mood for change. We've had some tough years. It's like the end of a war, you know. He's just going to be swept out on that, I think. And it's not 100% his fault. Very good. Great to have you both on the panel there. That uh, is Alexia Russell, David. Nice to have you on again, David. It's been some years, so uh, yeah, good, good, good to have you back. Good fun. Lovely. Yeah, Thanks. Uh, very, very nice. Uh, that is us. We have uh, Lisa Owen and Checkpoint next. I'm back tomorrow, 3.45. See you then. <laughs>